Let's pray together this morning again. Lord, I just thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to come into your house and for the church to come together, Lord, this church to come together and just decide uh, um, what your will is for, for us moving forward. Lord, we thank you for Harold and coming and, and, and all of the things that he's done and, and us getting to meet him. Lord, we just want you to bless him this morning with the message that you want him to have, Lord. And just uh, I thank you for him and his family for traveling so many times and just and just being interested in what you're doing here at this church, Lord. I want you to be with us as we continue to uh, just seek your will in everything we do. And be with us tonight as we come back and, and we're going to sing and we're going to listen to your words some more, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, I've gotten to meet this guy a few times, and uh, like I told the first service, I said he smiles a lot, and he's a good man, and, and, uh, and he's a good guy, but uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit, and uh, he's a wonderful person, and more importantly, he loves Jesus. So this is uh, Harold Best, Dr. Harold Best. Thank you so much, Danny, and uh, thank you, choir and praise team. They did an awesome job this morning. Y'all could... Thank them if you want to again. Amen. So we're uh, so humbled to be here this weekend. We've had a great time, and you all have treated us so well. And uh, I just want to say again, the, the Pastor Search Committee have been so uh, awesome to, to my family and I. And uh, they've been such a blessing to work with. So thank you. Greg is the leader of this crew. But they just, uh, I can't say that enough. They, they didn't tell me to say it. Uh, and I couldn't say it enough. But thank you so much to the Pastor Search team, the staff, uh, the spouses. And uh, again, we just had a great time meeting you yesterday. And uh, excited for that. Uh, I hope you got to meet my awesome family. Uh, y'all want Jenny, my wife, stand up, Jenny, for just a minute. I, yay. <laughs> And so I have a beautiful daughter, Caitlin, and an awesome son, Kyle, and his fiance, Sierra. I love my family, and I, I notice I have something in common with a lot of the men. We, we married up, and uh, <laughs> so I'm thankful for that. I, I heard about a new pastor, and he, he went to his church. He was having a little bit of trouble connecting with them, communicating to them, and so he thought he'd use some illustrations. And so he brought these four jars, and in the first jar he put alcohol, and then he put a worm in it. And then he had a jar, he put cigarette smoke and then put a worm in it. And then he had a chocolate syrup and put a worm in it. And then he had good soul and put a worm in it. And then he preached his message about the effects of sin. And when he got done, he opened the first jar and the, the worm was dead. He, he opened the one with the cigarette smoke and the worm was dead. He, he opened the one with the, the chocolate syrup and the worm was dead. Of course, the, the good soul worm was alive. And, and uh, he says, I hope you understand what I've been trying to say. And the lady in the back stood up and said, it's pretty obvious, preacher. If we drink alcohol, smoke cigarettes, and eat chocolate, we won't have worms. <laughs> so I hope I do a little bit better job of communicating. I'm in... 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this morning, and if you're able, I'd invite you to stand. I'm going to read verses 10 through 15. Somebody asked me yesterday, do I believe this Bible? Uh, do I believe it's literal? I do. I believe this is the very Word of God. I believe it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of joint marrow as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. So it does its work when we proclaim it. And so I'm reading from the ESV, uh, large print Bible, uh, and if you have one of those, you, you like yours. I love mine. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. 
Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but as through fire. Pray with me. Father, we pray this morning that your spirit would give us ears to hear, eyes to see. We pray that you would do your work uh, through your word. Uh, Lord, we pray most importantly that if there's a person here outside of a relationship with Jesus in their sin, we pray this morning that you might bring them out of that darkness. Let them see the glory of the cross. I pray that you would save someone this morning. And and again, we acknowledge that that's the most important thing that could take place here this morning is for you to save someone. We pray for that. And I pray for the needs in this, in this room this morning, that you'll minister to those needs. I pray you'll give us a few moments to evaluate uh, how we're serving you. Uh, help us, Lord, in that. And uh, we pray you'll be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I just want to say I love the church that Jesus purchased with his blood, and uh, it has been my privilege to, to pastor for 18 years, and uh, I, I don't have any hidden agendas this morning. Uh, I want Christ's church to be beautiful in his sight when he comes back. Uh, I want the church to have an impact on their community, and I, I feel like you want the same thing. Uh, I told him when I first started preaching, I was uh, really concerned about uh, growing the church, uh, probably too concerned about numbers, but I would read church growth books, uh, uh, was interested in that. I went to the Billy Graham School of Evangelism, Missions, and Church Growth, and, uh, and then I read and studied Matthew sixteen eighteen, and in that verse, Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And I thought, well, that's a marvelous statement. And again, that doesn't mean I can just sit back and, and watch Jesus do his thing. I, I'm supposed to uh, labor as a faithful minister and to preach the word and to feed the flock and to pray for the Lord's blessings through his word. But I realize this, that Christ must build his church. I realize this, that, that men are trying to come up with all kinds of schemes and methods to do that. And, and we see all kinds of silliness coming from our pulpits. We don't need new schemes. We just need to get back to the blueprint, which is the very Word of God. And if we do that, our job is pretty simple. We just follow His instructions. And for me personally, I just want to run the race that God has given me. I want to finish strong. I, I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I, I tell them, I, as, a, as a pastor, I, I want the church, I want you to hear those words as well. I want you to run your race. I want you to finish strong. I want you to hear those words from Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. And, and so he has given us the instructions for that. And so this morning, as we dive into 1 Corinthians 3, hopefully you know a little bit about the church in Corinth. They, they had a few issues. Uh, Paul was concerned about some of their issues. Uh, he starts this book by saying that some of you are divided. Uh, some of you say, I follow Paul, and I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or some say, I, I follow Jesus. They're the, the spiritual ones. But, but they were divided and arguing over some of that stuff, and, and Paul wants to deal with some of their immaturity. We come to chapter 3, and he mentions in verse 3 that there's jealousy and strife among you. hope there's no jealousy and strife in this body. Uh, you're not in the, you're in the flesh. You're behaving as in a human way. When you say that I follow so-and-so, that's human. That's fleshly is what Paul says. 
Verse 7, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but God, only God, who gives the growth. We're all to plant seeds of the gospel. We're to water those seeds, but it's God who who brings the growth. It's God who uh, brings the harvest, and it's God who gets the glory. Amen? Verse 9, he says, we're God's fellow workers. Uh, You're God's field, God's building. And so maybe this morning we just need to be reminded it's not the messengers, but it's the message that's important. Then we come to verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. And so he, Paul begins talking about the grace of God. And, and I, I love to preach about grace. God saved me. I was a, a self-righteous teenager. Uh, I think God hates self-righteousness. Well, that was me. I thought I was a good boy and that wouldn't get me to heaven. God opened my eyes and helped me to know that nothing I could do could get me to heaven, but, but what Jesus did could. And so I'm, I'm thankful that God saved me. I, I'm humble that God would allow me to do what I love to do. That's preach the word and, and shepherd and love God's people. And sometimes I say at my church that uh, I just can't believe I had to pinch myself sometimes that you all would pay me to, for, for doing what I love to do. And people was always offering, well, we can quit that if, if that's a problem. And I'm like, no, I, I, I like that part too. Uh, but I am humbled that God would allow me to, uh, to do this. And uh, Paul says that that grace, uh, and then he says, I'm a, Paul said he was a skilled master builder. That word is architecton, and it is the word from which we get architect. And it's the ideal of a builder or a designer, and Paul's specialty was in laying foundations. Now, he was a church planner. He loved to go, preach the gospel, plant churches, and uh, he planted this church in Corinth. Uh, he planted it during his second missionary journey, and you can read about that in Acts. He spent about 18 months there, loved the church. He wanted the church to understand that there is but one foundation for Christ's church, and that's where we want to start this morning, uh, the foundation of the church. Verse 11, it's a great verse to, uh, to memorize, I, I showed the earlier group that we put a block. We built a house one time and we put a big block with 1 Corinthians 3.11 on it. And uh, at least when people come, they'd say, what does that mean? And I'd say, well, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. He is the, the one foundation. And Jesus Christ, if the work is going to stand the test, it, it must be built upon Him. It must be built for Him. And it must be built through Him. Some in the church at Corinth were trying to make the foundation about their religious systems or their preachers or their works. And today, people are trying to build the church based upon the, the, sometimes the cleverness of their entertainment or their music or how comfortable they can make people feel. And you name it. But and that, Some of those things are okay, but that's not what Paul said. He said there's one foundation, and he said everything must be built upon Jesus Christ. That's so important. Uh, and so Paul had planted this church, and uh, we have a record of it. You can read Acts 17. Uh, but Paul had just been in Athens. They're on Mars Hill. And he had spent, he, it says that he reasoned with the philosophers. And, and uh, they argued with him, and he reasoned and tried to tell them about the one true and living God. And, and uh, it sounds like he, he really wanted them to, to know who Christ was, the one true God. Uh, but then when he got to chapter 17, he, he went to Corinth. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. He says, when I came to you, brothers, brothers to the church there at Corinth, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I wasn't trying to impress you with anything. 
For I decided, verse 2, to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Church, that's really the message that we need to take to the world. We don't have to impress them. We just need to give them Jesus, point them to the cross, Jesus crucified, buried, and, and raised again. And so I would say to Burlington Baptist Church, uh, Jesus Christ must be our foundation. And we must remember that we are His church. He's the foundation. He is the, the chief cornerstone. He's the, the senior pastor. Uh, we're not to build upon a, a preacher or a singer or a builder, anything. We're to build upon Jesus Christ and Him alone. And listen, not just the church. In, individually. Uh, is, is Jesus Christ the foundation upon which you're building your life? And then for your family. Uh, is Jesus the foundation upon which you're building your family? Is Jesus your Lord? And I just want you to know every other foundation is but sinking sand. Jesus is to be the foundation of the church. And then Paul begins to talk about the fabrics of the church, uh, the building materials, if you will, the fabrics. Uh, verse 12, uh, he says, If anyone builds on the foundation, and he lists some materials with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and straw. Two, two categories of fabric here. There's the high-quality ones. Uh, Gold, silver, precious stone. And then there's the inferior quality ones. Uh, wood, hay, and, and straw. And uh, I, these materials, I, I don't think they represent uh, our talents or our wealth or even our spiritual gifts. I, I, rather, I think they represent our faithfulness, uh, the believer's faithfulness with whatever God has given to them. And so as we think about these verses, a question that, that come to, to my mind first was, how do we know what materials we're using? How do we know if we're building with go or straw? How do we know that? And so a, a couple things to consider. The first thing is that I think quality is more important than quantity. Quality is more important than quantity. Consider the sizes for a minute. You can have a whole truckload of wood, and it wouldn't be worth nearly as much as a diamond ring. The quantity is, is somewhat important, but not nearly as, as the quality. And so I'm sometimes afraid that there are churches that are building big buildings and drawing large crowds, but the fabric that they're using is, is of little value and will not last. You see, the fabrics here, I think, represent uh, our, our works. And I always want to be careful here. We're not saved by works. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you're saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest we would boast. But verse 10 says we're His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so we're saved by faith. We're saved by a living, active faith. We're saved by a faith that produces good works. And God wants us to build with the best materials. And He's certainly worthy of our very best. And uh, I, I'm sure many of you, and I've heard some of the ways that you serve, and many of you are, are giving God your best. I, I, I see you pouring your lives into the service of the Lord, and, and you're building with good quality fabrics, and, and many of you have sincere hearts as you serve Jesus by serving others. Uh, I want us to be a little bit careful here as we talk about building materials and, and fabrics. It, it is easy to get caught up in uh, religious Busy work and church programs and projects, external activities. And, and sometimes we, we think just because we're doing a lot that we're using good materials. And, 
And uh, some of the things that we're building, it could be straw fabric. And so I, I think it's important for the church to regularly consider what they're doing and evaluate the, the quality. Now, the enemy, again, he, he doesn't care if we fill our calendars with, with stuff that do not threaten his kingdom. The enemy doesn't care if the church is busy, if we're not having a kingdom impact. But he's not so much a fan of ministries that are Christ-centered and have gospel impact. And so we consider, we evaluate our calling, even individually. And so as we think about our calling, I think about the early church and the Spirit was poured out. At Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached Jesus crucified, buried, raised again. As he preached the gospel, uh, people were saved. The church was birthed and and thousands came to faith. By the time we get to chapter 6, there were some issues come up. There were widows in the church that were being neglected. And and the the church recognized that was a problem. Uh, The apostles, though, they they said to the church, you need to call out some men to to serve these widows because we must give ourselves, Acts 6, 4, to to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so for the apostles, those things were the precious materials, gold and silver. It was prayer and and the ministry of the word. And so they called out some deacons. And they, they took care of the widows. And for them, that was gold and prayer. And so we evaluate our calling to, uh, to make sure we're giving God our best in the things that are important. Not only is the quality more important than the quantity, but, but secondly, our motive, I think, is more important than the magnitude. Our motives for service is so important. Why we do something is as important as what we do. Uh, I remembered this week, uh, I remembered years ago we at a church I was at, we, we had something called evangelism explosion, and you were trained with a gospel outline, and, and each semester, it was 16 weeks, and, and so I had two people that I would take out, and we'd make visits, and we'd try to share the gospel. I remember driving to the church and saying to Jenny, uh, boy, I hope somebody uh, gets saved tonight, I hope somebody lets us share the gospel, and, and, I, and she asked me, uh, she asked me a question. She said, is that for you or is that for God's glory? And I thought, hmm. You know, sometimes that's a struggle in ministry is, is, is maybe doing things for our glory instead of God's glory. And so I'm going to just give you some examples about your motive. This morning, you, may, you can give 50 bucks in the offering plate, give it with joy, and, and it's gold in God's perspective. But you might give $1,000 and give it grudgingly, and that might be straw. I use BBS as an example. Some of you dread this week, and, and you're just going to serve because, <laughs> well, you might be serving with straw and hay. But if you say, you know what, it's a tough week, but there are kids that are going to hear the gospel, and it's worth it, and I do it for the sake of the kingdom, I'm going to tell you what, that's gold and precious stones. And I hope you do serve. I, I hope you see this as a week that God gives your church to reach children for the sake of Christ. I hope you serve with that kind of motive. In the same way with preaching, I, I realize this morning, if I'm just concerned as, uh, about how you like it, it's just hay. Uh, I can preach to glorify God, though, and, and it's gold. And, and listen, what sometimes looks like gold to us, it, it might be straw to, to God. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says that God knows the purposes of our heart. He, he knows our motives. And sometimes we have to say, God, do a little work in my heart. My motives, they're selfish or grudging. Uh, God, God will do some work in our lives sometimes when we notice that. So ask yourselves uh, about your motives. Are they selfish 
Are they selfless? Are they self-centered or are they Christ-centered? And I think uh, Greg asked me yesterday what's one of the biggest problems in the church. And I just thinking about that, I, we're so selfish. And we've become consumers. And uh, we want everything to be pleasing to us. And listen, I just, let's be reminded today, it's not about us. Uh, and, and I say that, I, I say that with humility because us pastors are sometimes the worst. We're the most selfish. It's not about us. It's His church. And we need to evaluate our motives and ask, are they self-exalting or are they Christ-exalting? It's important we ask that because verse 13 says that uh, the fabrics, what we're building with, is going to be revealed by fire. Each one's works will become manifest, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. So the third point this morning is that the fire that will test the churches, the fire, each one's work will become manifest. And so we're not fooling God. He knows the difference between gold and straw. And so Paul is concerned about the church. He recognizes that there's some immaturity, there's some worldliness, there's some uh, careless living. And so he reminds them that uh, there's coming a, a day of judgment. Uh, it says, for the day will disclose it. I, I think that day that, that Paul's talking about there is at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, Paul talks about that over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, this is a day following the, the Lord's second com, uh, coming. This is not a, a day to decide if you're saved or not. If, if you're not saved, you won't stand in this judgment. You'll stand at the great white throne judgment uh, in Revelation 20. But this is for the believers. And 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9 says, for, So whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So, so each one of us is going to have to, to give an account of uh, what we do with what God has given us. This is not for our salvation. This, just make sure we know that. We're saved by faith, not by our works. Uh, Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so this is not about being saved, but the Bible teaches that we will give an account for our conduct or our stewardship of what God has entrusted to us. And we'll be judged here on the basis of our faithfulness with our spiritual gifts, our, our talents, our possessions, our time, and how we use that for the Lord. And this judgment will be concerning our rewards or lack of rewards. And uh, verse 13 says that the works will be revealed by fire. In the Bible, this fire is always a symbol of testing. And I uh, just point out in this list of materials there in uh, verse 12, not only are they uh, in descending order of value, but they are in ascending order of flammability. Those at the end, uh, they're going to burn the easiest. And so verse 14, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, uh, he'll receive a reward. Uh, we, we want to receive some rewards because Revelation talks about us being able to, uh, to, to go and present them before Jesus. And so if, the, if our works, uh, if what we're building on is uh, our best, we come with the right motives, we'll receive a reward. But... Listen, church, if, if we're building with leftovers, with straw and hay and wood, verse 15 says that they'll be burned up. 
If anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though he himself will be saved only as through fire. So I, I know there's some firemen in, in the church, and I used to be a fireman before I went into ministry. And uh, if you know anything about fire, fire stinks. And when you come home from a run, you got this fire gear on, and you smell like fire. And if you bring that in the house, you're in so much trouble. You, you leave that in the truck, but you come in, and you smell like fire. You take a bath, you still smell like fire. It, and so it's a, it's a terrible smell. Well, uh, I, I'm afraid sometimes there's people in the church, they're going to heaven, but they're going to smell like fire when they get there. You, you're not going to forfeit your salvation. You, you didn't earn that. You didn't deserve that to start with. But it is going to be bittersweet to think that your works are going to be burned up. and uh, You're going to be in heaven. That's what it says there in verse 15. But uh, as, a, as a pastor, my, my chief desire is for people to be saved. I, I want people to turn from their sins. I want them to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I want them to have the gift of eternal life. And so that's, that's the, the greatest priority. That's, that's most important. But I, I said I don't, I don't want the sheep getting to heaven smelling like barbecue. Listen, our, our God is so good, and uh, He gave us His very best. He allowed His Son to come out of heaven and to come here on this earth to live as a man, to go to a cruel cross for sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He, he gave us His very best. He deserves our very best. Amen? Amen. Even, even if we weren't going to get any rewards. That's just a, a bonus. Even if we weren't going to give any rewards, he would still deserve our very best. And so I don't know many of you, but some of you may be building with leftovers. And I want you to know this morning, it's going to be burned up. It doesn't have to be that way. And listen, you can get all dressed up on Sunday, so to speak, and, and you can look good for everybody else. But, but Paul says you need to take heed because the fire will test each one's works and listen, you can fool us, you can fool one another, but you can't fool God. No facades with, with God. And so, uh, when we read through the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, there are seven churches uh, there in Asia Minor. And Jesus uh, gives some evaluation to them. And he, he loves the churches. He, he wants to exhort them in some areas and warn them in some areas. And we come to this church in Revelation chapter 3. Verse 14, the church of Laodicea. We're, we're familiar with that name. But the church, they, they thought that they were building with gold. Uh, they say there in verse 17, For you say, the church, the church says, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. That's what the church said. But the Lord said, hear me tell you the truth. Not realizing that you are wretched, miserable, poor, Blind and naked. Verse 15, he says, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Jesus calls out the church. He says, you're a lukewarm church. And, and often lukewarm Christians, they're so comfortable and complacent. And, and often they don't even realize the, the situation that they're in. And I, I want to say this. It's easy to become a little lukewarm over the years. And, and even as a church, you have nice facilities and the air's on and you're paying your bills. And, and yet, let's be honest, there's countless people in our communities that are, have never heard the gospel. And so I'm all for being comfortable. When we gather, 
but we shouldn't be comfortable when our community is, is perishing apart from the gospel. There are people who have never heard the gospel and they're on a way to a, a real place called hell. We've got the gospel. Let's don't be comfortable with it. Let's go and shine the light of Christ. But the church in Laodicea, they lost their vision. And Jesus said, you're blind. And so, can we be blind? And if we are, what do we do? Well, the answer is simple. We get back to the blueprints. We get back to the Great Commission. For one, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations and baptize them and teach them. That's what we do when we're blind, complacent, or lukewarm. We get back to the instructions. We go out and we be salt and light in the community. We go out and we, we share the gospel. We invite people to church. We, we make disciples. And so the foundation is laid. It's, the foundation is Jesus Christ. Everything is to be built upon Him. The end of verse 10, notice Paul says, Let each one take heed how he builds upon it. And so I, I want you to put some blinders on for just a moment this morning. I don't want you to think about your neighbor who's sitting beside you. I want you to consider yourself. And I want you to ask you, are you taking care as to how you are serving the Lord? Are you giving God your best? Are you just using some scraps? Maybe you got too much on your plate and you're not able to do what... what do well the, the few things that you can do. Or, or maybe uh, it's been a slow decline. Maybe you really didn't notice it, but you've kind of been going through the motions. Maybe you've not been dependent on the Lord like you used to. I find myself there sometimes. What are you giving God your best or scraps? And I, was, I always want to say, you don't have to impress your pastor or anybody else. The Lord knows. And not only does the Lord know, He's going to test it with, with fire. And then the last point is just the future of our church. Uh, Paul was so concerned about getting the, the foundation established. And, and he knew that others were going to come. He's going to send the elders to the church and they were going to build upon that foundation. You need to have that kind of perspective. If the Lord tarries, future generations are going to be building upon what we leave them. And so we need to have a vision for the future. Listen, God, God's vision for the future. God loves His church. God gives a vision for His church. And, and I look around, and I've spent the time here this weekend. You all have a, a strong group of senior adults and a ton of kids and lots of people willing to serve. And to me, the future looks bright. Uh, I can tell that many of you have a desire to glorify Christ. And let me say, for, for me, that's exciting and, and from what I can tell, that Christ is building His church. And, and I'm excited about the possibility of being a part of that. But I would say to Burlington Baptist Church, our, our challenge is to make sure that we are building upon the one foundation, which is Jesus Christ. we got to make sure that we're giving Him the best that we have to offer. And each one of us, not, it's easy to look at our neighbor, but each one of us are taking heed as to how he or she is building. And here's what I found to be true. If we take care of how we are building, He'll take care of the rest. And He will build His church. And so I wonder this morning as we're closing, uh, if God might be speaking to someone's heart this morning. Uh, if you're here without Christ, uh, you need to get that foundation laid. That's the most important thing. And you'll say, well, why is that so important? Listen, I, our God, is He created us. Our God is holy. That means that He is separated from sin. 
Well, we're sinners. We're all in that boat together. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We, we are sinners. Our God is holy. We are separated from God. God is not going to allow sin into heaven. That's, that's bad news. But the good news that I get to share with you is the good news of the gospel. And the good news of the gospel is that God didn't leave us in our sins. He stepped out of heaven in the person of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and one day he would go to a cross. And on that cross, he would become sin for us. He who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we might be made right with God. And so on that cross, he took my sins and your sins, paid the penalty for our sins. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus died for sin. And they took him down and buried him. On the third day, he arose again. He arose in victory over sin. And the good news of the gospel is that he, in, he invites people to have the forgiveness of their sins and to be saved. Jesus invites you this morning to, to turn from your sins. That's, that's a Bible word that means repent. Turn from your sins. Stop trusting in yourself and come in faith to Jesus Christ and he will save you. And so just a few moments, I'm going to lead us in prayer, and, and uh, then I'm going to invite you to be saved. I'm going to invite you to come and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to restore you to relationship with God, and to give you the gift of eternal life. And I look around, and I suspect most of you are saved. But I wonder this morning if maybe you're building with wood and hay and straw. Maybe God's entrusted you some things, and maybe you're building everything else in your life with those good things, and you're giving God the leftovers. The only thing that's going to last in the end is your labor to the Lord. And so if you evaluate your life, and you're building with wood and hay and straw, listen, I'm going to invite you to repent. You need to repent. God gave you His best. You ought to repent if you're not giving Him your best. But, but He forgives us, and He invites us to, to make some exchanges this morning, to bring our wood, hay, and straw, and exchange those for gold and silver and precious stones. And Listen, church, you'll never regret that. You'll never regret giving God your very best. The end of verse 10, we'll end with this. Let each one take care how we build. Let each one take care how we build. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your grace. Lord, I'm just reminded that uh, I'm a sinner. And you came and saved me. You laid a foundation for your church. I thank you for giving your best. And even as I preach this morning, I, I think about some areas where I've built with hay and straw and some areas where, if I were honest, my motive's not been for your glory but for mine. I want to confess that. Lord, forgive me for robbing you of your glory so many times and so many ways and worrying more about what others think than what you think. Father, this morning, if we're not giving you our best, I, I pray you would graciously lead us to repentance. And you, you're so gracious in that. Thank you, for Holy Spirit, for giving us eyes to see this morning a little more clearly what we're building with. Lord, I know you want to do some work in some hearts this morning. Father, if there's a person here this morning that's not saved, they're separated in their sin, Lord, I pray you'd open their eyes, that they'd understand, maybe even for the first time, what Jesus did for them and died on the cross.
May they turn from their sins and follow you today. We'd celebrate that. That'd be so exciting. Lord, I pray you'd grant them courage this morning to, to maybe step out and, and come and take someone by the hand and confess their sins and call upon the name of Jesus. That's our desire this morning, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning? We're going to have a, we can call it an invitation, a time of commitment. If you're here without Christ, I'd love to talk to you about being saved. There'll be some deacons and others up here. We'd, we'd love to talk to you about what it means to, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The, the Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Don't put that off. Uh, we might take a vote later, but the most important thing right now is your soul. If you need to be saved, you come. And, and for the church, maybe you need to come this morning and, and pray and maybe exchange some building materials. God's gracious in that. He invites you to do that. And, and uh, Lord's Supper on the, on the corners, if you'd like to come and remember the sacrifice of Christ, we certainly invite you to do that as well.